This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of luxatio erecta, or inferior glenohumeral joint dislocation, from the shoulder and elbow section on orthobullets.com. So as a quick summary, luxatio erecta is the specific term for inferior dislocation of the glenohumeral joint trapped underneath the coracoid and glenoid, which is very commonly associated with neurovascular injury. The diagnosis is made clinically with the presence of the shoulder in a fixed, abducted position and confirmed with radiographs of the shoulder. Treatment is closed reduction and assessment of possible concomitant neurovascular injury. Now, let's get into the episode. With respect to epidemiology, the incidence of luxatio erecta or inferior glenohumeral joint dislocation is very rare and makes up only 0.5% of all shoulder dislocations. Moving on to the etiology, with respect to the pathophysiology and the pathoanatomy, this is typically a high-energy injury. The mechanism involves hyperabduction force applied to the arm, levering the proximal humerus onto the acromion, injuring the inferior capsule-slash-labrum, which subsequently allows for disengagement of the humeral head inferiorly from the glenoid, and it commonly involves variable-sized tearing of static glenohumeral ligaments. Common associated conditions include neurovascular injury, proximal humerus fractures, rotator cuff tears, as well as anterior capsule and labral tears. In terms of neurovascular injury, luxatio erecta has the greatest incidence of neurovascular injury of all types of shoulder dislocations. Specific neurovascular injuries include brachial plexopathy, as well as axillary artery injuries. Proximal humerus fractures are another associated condition, especially the greater tuberosity. Now let's talk about some relevant anatomy. The static glenohumeral ligaments include the SGHL, the MGHL, and the IGHL. The SGHL is restrained to inferior translation at zero degrees of abduction or neutral rotation. The MGHL resists anterior and posterior translation in the mid-range of abduction or approximately 45 degrees in external rotation. The IGHL includes the posterior band of the IGHL, the anterior band of the IGHL, and the superior band of the IGHL. The posterior band of the IGHL is the most important restraint to posterior subluxation at 90 degrees flexion and internal rotation. The anterior band of the IGHL is the primary restraint to anterior-slash-inferior translation in 90 degrees of abduction and maximum external rotation. Think the late cocking phase of throwing. And finally, the superior band of the IGHL is the most important static stabilizer about the joint. For a full review on glenohumeral anatomy, be sure to listen to the podcast episode about glenohumeral joint anatomy, stabilizer, and biomechanics. Moving on to the presentation of luxatio erecta, patients will typically have symptoms of shoulder pain, inability to move the shoulder where the arm is in a fixed, abducted overhead position, and you may also find neurovascular injury. Neurologic injury is seen in up to 60% of cases, and vascular injury is seen in up to 39% of cases. On physical exam, be sure to assess motion and conduct a neurovascular exam. In terms of motion, the patient typically presents with the arm in a fixed abducted position. In terms of neurovascular exam, remember that assessment is important pre and post reduction. Be sure to assess for radial and brachial pulse, and neurologic exam assessment should include the axillary nerve and a distal neurologic exam. Keep in mind that there is a high rate of axillary nerve neuropraxia and brachial plexopathy. In terms of imaging, recommended views on radiographs include a complete shoulder series. Findings include inferior glenohumeral dislocation with the arm fully abducted. Moving on to MRI, this should be obtained after the shoulder is relocated given the common occurrence of traumatic soft tissue injuries to the shoulder. 
Findings on MRI may show capsulolabral pathology, and rotator cuff tears are also extremely common. Treatment of luxatio erecta can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes close reduction and immobilization. This is indicated in inactive elderly patients and may be considered in the absence of acute traumatic rotator cuff tear. The technique for close reduction can be traction-counter-traction or a two-step technique. Traction-counter-traction is the similar technique as for anterior shoulder dislocations. A two-step technique converts inferior dislocation to anterior dislocation, so the clinician stands at the patient's head, pushes laterally on the humerus with one hand while pulling superiorly on the medial epicondyle with the other hand, which should rotate the humeral head from inferior to anterior around the glenoid rim. When successful, the shoulder position will have changed from abduction to adduction against the chest wall. Then use any anterior dislocation technique to reduce the shoulder. Post-reduction involves a brief period of immobilization, followed by range of motion exercises assuming an intact rotator cuff, and finally physical therapy should focus on periscapular and rotator cuff strengthening. Operative options include arthroscopic or open repair. This is indicated for active younger patients. The advantage of the arthroscopic approach is that it allows assessment and addressing multiple concomitant pathologies including capsulolabral damage and traumatic rotator cuff tear. This will involve prompt surgical repair for acute rotator cuff tears, which is typically recommended, and remember that prolonged non-operative treatment may result in significant retraction and rapid progression to a non-repairable condition. The technique will involve repair versus reconstruction of shoulder pathology. Finally, let's end this review session talking about some complications. Axillary nerve palsy is the most common nerve palsy, which may resolve with reduction of the shoulder. If it persists, an EMG may be warranted at 6-12 weeks post-injury for prognosis. Brachial plexopathy is secondary to a high-energy injury and displacement of the humeral head, which may result in significant brachial plexopathy. This will usually resolve following reduction of the shoulder and observation. Axillary artery thrombosis may occur late. And finally, a rotator cuff tear is a common complication, especially in older patients, but also in young patients as well. A prompt MRI is warranted in young patients following reduction to avoid a misdiagnosis slash treatment. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over one quick question to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. A 35-year-old male injured his right shoulder while playing basketball. He presents emergently with significant pain and his shoulder abducted at 140 degrees. He is unable to lower his arm. Radiographs will most likely show that his humeral head has dislocated in what direction? And the choices are 1. Anterior, 2. Posterior, 3. Superior, 4. Inferior, and 5. Lateral. The correct answer to this question is 4, inferior. So this patient has suffered an inferior shoulder dislocation, otherwise known as luxatio erecta. This is a rare type of shoulder dislocation, representing only about 0.5% of all shoulder dislocations. Anterior and posterior dislocations are much more common, but don't present with a shoulder fixed in abduction or flexion, such as this case. The articles by Suweki and Fung report that this condition can be diagnosed by physical exam alone due to its unique presentation, but radiographs should be obtained to evaluate for concomitant injuries. That's all for this review about luxatio erecta or inferior glenohumeral joint dislocation. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets. 
the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.